Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi. And Klee. And today we're going to be talking about where it is that we find our art collectors. Um, this is a from a question that we got. And I feel like we had either done a podcast or we've probably done several videos on where it is that we find our art collectors. But I thought it would be a good thing to retouch because... We actually got several questions over the last two weeks about like, so so where is it that you find these elusive art collectors and where are they? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the answer is not going to be as exciting. Like, you know, there isn't some secret place that you could go under a bridge and pay a toll and then next thing you know you're led into a room with a bunch of art collectors it just doesn't work that way these art collectors were carefully selected for you yes indeed and for anybody that's listening to this we are here with our amazing rogue artist family they are here with us to always give their insight and brilliance into any of the subjects that we're talking about. Yep. So they're going to be chiming in with their questions or comments, and we're going to be reading them, so you'll be able to hear what those are. That's right. So we have Ginny here. Hi, Ginny. We have several of the rogues here. She just came in. Hiya, but on another subject. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Hi, Zara. Yeah, thank you, Rogue Fam, for being here with us. So let's get into this. Yeah, let's get into it. So I thought what would be really cool is to talk about this in almost like, um, what is that called? Progressional. A chronological Chronological timeline timeline of like how it was that we, you know, that we met our art collectors. Our most loyal art collectors is what we're talking about. Not just, not just random art collectors. Because you find them at the store, and you find them at the street, and you find them at the library, and a meet and greet, and you find them at your job, and you find them at... <laughs> and you find them at the door, and hopefully you don't find them laying on the floor. If mm-hmm. you help them off the floor, then they might collect your art. <laughs> <laughs> if you're extra, extra nice, then you might be able to start an art collector. Yeah. Uh, All right, all right, we, right just, we just train yeah, wrecked. We just train wrecked. <laughs> Sarah said, go under a bridge and find the troll. I mean... That that's one way to do it. I mean, honestly, I think we want to avoid trolls. If you find a well-connected troll, then perhaps <laughs> a well-connected troll. <laughs> so let's let's go back to the beginning, to okay. the very beginning, In like the beginning when we were um, at the flea market where we started our career. In case uh, anybody out there listening doesn't know, Clee and I, when we first got into the new town that we were in. None of the art uh, galleries were, uh, basically the art galleries would look at, take one look at us and they're like, no. Basically they said nay, but um, they didn't actually say nay. They said things like, we have a very long waiting list. If you'd like to add your name to that, we'll, don't call us. We'll call you. Zara said, ooh, that's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> Where we started was at the flea market. Um, because when we looked around and we were like, okay, we gotta, we, we, we have to put our artwork out there in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And the flea market, obviously that was easy. We didn't really know the area. We didn't know about art walks. We didn't know about all the cool little art things that they were doing. So like, that's where we got started. And one of my, my, I, there's actually not one, but several of my most loyal art collectors were people that were either visiting the flea market, mm-hmm. um, people that were vending at the flea market, 
uh, and just random people that would come. Sometimes we had people that would come every week just to kind of walk around and look at stuff. And little by little, we started developing relationships with them. Um, so, you know, if I were to say, like, where can you find art collectors? Okay, number one is the flea market. Mm-hmm. Um, the second place, we started doing the Pal Fox market. And, of course, we would, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you had people that would show up every week. You had other vendors at the flea market and, yeah. or at the Pal at Fox the market. market. Some, of our, um, uh, some of our regulars at the flea market followed us to the Pal Fox market. Yep. I had one particularly extreme case where I had collectors at the flea market, but I didn't know it yet because they waited until they knew me for like a couple of years and then found me at the Palafox market yep. and basically said like, we wanted to know who you were before we started yeah. collecting. Yeah, there's a lot of pre-qualifying. Like, they, you know, and you, I understand that because if you're going to buy a work of art, you want to know that that artist is going to continue creating, mm-hmm. right? And it's this weird thing. Like, even if you're not collecting art because you, uh, you know, if you're collecting art just because you like it, you still kind of want to know that that artist is going to be creating art, that it wasn't like a one and done deal. So I think that with a lot of our art collectors, that's that's kind of how it went. They kept seeing us consistently at these places. So they knew, like, this This is what we do. This oh, is these what we're going to do. Oh, these people are in it for yeah. the long haul. Yeah, exactly. Esther said, my art has at times taken a huge lunge towards fantasy genre. My microscopic collector base is not going to know what to do with that, and neither do I. You know what? Honestly, Esther, a lot of times when you jump around in the genres, and, you know, I'm a big proponent of doing that. If you want, If you feel inspired to create something, create it. Um, the ones that don't know what to do with it, they'll just be like, oh, that's nice. You know, it's not my thing, but it's cool that you create that. But some of them, that might be something that they like. And then that will also attract other people that might be interested in that genre. Yeah. Like, so you have the potential to tap into multiple collector bases and experience crossover yes. between those collector bases. Exactly. Exactly. Like Rachel said that's so old school. Porkly, actually it worked out really well because um, they became huge collectors of my work. And I, I mean, they have a pretty epic Klee collection. They do have um, an epic Klee collection. And they've become good friends as well. So it was okay that it went that way. You know, I think that that's, that's important, though, how you said they became good friends as well. Yeah. A lot. And I mean, probably about 98% of the people that collect our art have become good friends. Yeah, and it doesn't always work in reverse. That's the phenomenon is your friends that you start off with when you start your art career don't often become your collectors. They sometimes do, but oftentimes your collectors will become your friends. Yes. Because the art is a connecting point. So usually when you find someone who gets your art and resonates with it, then you also have found someone that you can connect with on an emotional and mental level. Indeed, indeed. Ariane said, don't put limitations on your art and your experimentation. And I absolutely agree. That's why I think like, if you are going to go into a fantasy genre and do that, if you're going to do landscapes, if you're going to do pet portraits, if you're going to do figurative, if you're going to do abstracts, and it's something that you want to do, then definitely do it because there are people out there that are going to like the different things. There are people that there's not going to be much crossover there, but 
nobody I, that's the biggest thing for me is like a lot of people uh, there are people out there that will say always stick to one niche because you don't want to confuse the market and i'm like people are not that com- i've They're never not. gone somewhere and saw more you know different like abstracts and figurative in one booth and then be like oh my I'm god confused. i'm so confused i don't know what to do like it's just it's ridiculous people don't get confused that easily Kelly said, being somewhere with a tent and a table can be very scary. How do you get past the fear? Well, in my mind, you have two choices. Um, You can, A, avoid it altogether and find other ways to put your art out there. Because the reality is that there are many other ways to put your art out there. But if that's something that you want to do, the sad truth is that the way to get over the fear is to do it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, (laughs) that's the only answer that we ever have for anybody that's like, how do I get over the fear of uh, doing dot, 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 doing more shows, putting myself out there, and really it's just doing it. You know, what? one thing that really does help, though, is to partner with someone, bring a friend out there with you, not only to help you, but to have a good time with. Because if you're having a good time laughing with somebody that you're there with, you're going to get over the fear a lot quicker. Indeed. Because then you're just, you're being, that person can help you come out of your shell. Yeah. And, and understand, like, I think too, like if you're going to, if you're setting up a booth or you're setting up a table and you have your artwork there and you know that you're going to be talking about your artwork, um, it could be really scary if you're like pre-paving this, like, oh, this is going to be terrifying. If you're going into it knowing this is a fear of mine, I'm going to challenge myself to do this yep, and you go into it knowing like this is a challenge and yes I might have moments where I freak out a little bit I might have moments where I'm I'm shaking or I, I get cold sweats or I feel my ears turn red it's it's understanding like yes all these things might happen but it's okay because it's my first time my second time my third time my fourth time whatever time it is till this day Um, there are times where like during an interaction, I have to remind myself when my face is getting all red or something like that. Or your ears are red or you've got hives here. (laughs) Yeah, because you said something that you're like, oh shit, I just said, and then your mind, your stick man runs away with it and is like, oh, you totally failed. You did this thing wrong. You said this wrong or whatever. And then being able to recover from that. And I think honestly... One of the things that Clea told me with playing music, you know, because you guys know, uh, or if anybody is listening to this, I'm really great now at putting myself out, out there with my art because I've done it. I've done it for over a decade, right? It was terrifying in the beginning, but, you know, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with it now. But the reason is for the same reason that putting my music out there, getting on stage terrifies me, but then I do it anyway and understanding that, like, it's all about the recovery. You're going to mess up. You're going to stutter. You're going to say something, you know, that you don't mean. You're going to stumble over words. You're going to blurt out prices that you didn't mean to. Yeah. And You're going to lowball yourself. And it's all a work in progress. It's, of, a, it's all a work in progress. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I did was just be honest. Like, in the beginning, I would just tell people, like, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm new at this. Um, because... People don't expect you to be, like, a professional. I don't even think people would know how to answer what that is at an art show if you were to ask them. People just want, like, a genuine 
experience. They just want somebody who's relatable, who they can, not even relatable, uh, approachable. Just be approachable. And if you're nervous, just be like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. People can relate to that. Think about it this way. You know, when you walk into, like, let's say you, you go to an art show. And this is why I love I love going to art shows. I love going to galleries. I love, first off, I love looking at art. And I, I also, we are patrons of art mm-hmm. as well, you know. So, like, but it, but it's so important to go into these things and, like, just observe. And there will be times where you walk into a booth and it almost feels like you just walked into a, a used car salesman's booth. There are times where you will walk into a booth and the person just looks aloof and angry. There are times where you walk into a booth and the person is friendly and approachable, but not trying to sell you on something, you know, and you gotta, you gotta, when you go out and you experience these things, it's like, think to yourself, like, how is it that I want, there are people, I walk into a booth and they are clearly awkward and nervous. And that's totally fine. And they will still approach me. You could tell, and they'll even say like, you know, I'm really nervous. This is my first time, whatever. And like, I, that honesty is so important because it really, it makes them less nervous, you know, understanding like, hey, I laid this out. This is, you know, I don't do this stuff. I don't, you know, this is my first time or, you know, I'm not very comfortable with this just yet. And it kind of lays out that thing and it makes it less on that person that's that's doing it, you mm-hmm. know. And then me as you or anybody that goes in there, they're like, oh, OK, because we've all been through that situation. Yep. We've all been through it. We all understand. And I think that that's a really good step in setting a table out there and putting yourself out there is just letting people know like, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. This is, I, this is not in my comfort zone whatsoever. But I'm doing it anyway. Christine said, I've encouraged friends who are casual makers to try their first show with me. It helps to have someone that you can help. It takes the pressure off of you. Yes, it does. And focus off of yourself. Yes, it does. That, that is, and that is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant going out and doing a show. Whenever we would do shows, Let's say there was somebody setting up next to us, one of the other artists, and it was their first show. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go in and visit them periodically. It's like, how's it going? And, you know, and, and just kind of like us having fun takes the pressure off because a lot of people do these shows and they're there to sell. There's nothing more off-putting, more off-putting and stressful than I got to sell stuff. And like one thing to understand is like art is not a thing. Not, there, there is no convincer in art. You know, either somebody connects with it and they can afford it or they connect with it and they can't afford it at that time. And then they think about it. And eventually when they can, they'll buy it. There's no convincer. You don't have to convince someone to buy the art. So like or even close the sale, like basically the moment that someone sees the art and they connect with it, they're they're going to think about it. They're going to buy it, whether they buy it then and there or they buy it later or they get something down the line. They will. But it's, you're not there to sell art. No, it's pointless to try to sell art. And I've said this before. If someone connects with art in a powerful way, there's almost nothing you can say to talk them out of it. And if someone doesn't connect with the art in a powerful way, there's nothing you can say to talk no, them into No, you can't it. talk them into it. If they don't like it, it's not like, well, you know, I'll give you 20% off or I'll do this. Or what can I do today to get you to walk out to of my To get you booth? into this painting. Yeah, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Nicole wants to know, can this be done if you don't have any friends or support? I don't have any close friends. So, Nicole, one of the things that I would do when I was by myself at shows, because sometimes we were, sometimes we were going to different shows, or sometimes I was doing a show that Rafi was not wanting to do. And basically what I would do is start chatting it up with my neighbors, the people directly next to me on either side. Now, sometimes they weren't very personable, and that was okay. Luckily, you have more people around you than than one. Most of the time, you're going to find somebody in your area at the show or market that you connect with and can have fun with, and that might develop into a potential future partnership. So look at it that way and see if there's ways that you can build those relationships. You might have to start off by yourself, but you don't have to stay there. Yeah. Or you might find that you're totally comfortable doing it by yourself because you can chat it up with your neighbors and help each other and in either, that way. Either way, Nicole, a lot of a lot of the other artists or vendors or whatever it is, whatever you decide to do if you're doing a market or an art walk or something like that, a lot of times this it's a really good place to find people that are doing what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like That get it. That get it. Because... It, it, for us, until we were doing markets and like really putting ourselves out there, a lot of the people, unless they were doing what we were doing, which was like putting yourself out there, they just didn't get it. So like it's you the, doing markets and putting yourself out there is the opportunity to meet like-minded people that are doing what you do. Um, so and it, and it's hard because yeah, getting it started by yourself you know, that's, that can be scary, but it's taking those steps to getting there that will eventually build those relationships. Most definitely. Allie would like to know, do you recommend email subscriptions on website to get collectors? Oh yeah. Big time. Now, Allie, um, one thing that I know that we've talked about before is that, you know, if you have a blog, you want to, you, that's a great way. People that want to subscribe to your content Without it being, you know, everybody's on social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. But on social media, you're going through a wall of stuff. And who knows? You might run into some crap that you don't want to see and stuff like that. So if people like you or they like your content, they like the stuff that you're writing, um, they really connect with you, then they're going to want to subscribe to you because it's almost like getting a, a pen pal letter yeah, every is. once in a while. And it's really nice to connect. Um, whether or not they become collectors, that's not something that I could, not everybody that is subscribed to us is a collector, is a collector. They may be in the future. We have some that have become collectors. What matters most there is that there is a continuing dialogue that is not a social, that is on our website that, that has to do with our people. And that's why I say like, when you're writing a blog, make sure that you're not being salesy. You know, uh, make sure that you're just talking about your life as an artist and your perspective and things like that Mm -hmm. and what you do and the excitement of releasing a new collection and all that stuff. The Um, personal stuff, like you're talking to a friend. And I know, Allie, that you very well understand that. But, yeah, definitely look over your, your, you know, whatever you're putting out there and and see what the conversational tone is. Is like even yeah. read it out loud. I think that helps to kind of get the tone yeah. of whatever your communications are. But yes, absolutely, I think it's a good idea to have a subscription. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. And anybody, I know people that have blogs that don't 
make it obvious for people uh, for people to subscribe. They don't like I've gone to their blogs, I've read their blogs, it's people that I know or that I don't know and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I would love to get an email from this person because I get emails all the time that I delete that are shit emails because it's just some company trying to sell me something. I would love to read something that is personable mm-hmm. and um Sometimes, sometimes it's like impossible. It's like pulling teeth. And I, I, yeah, and I go on their website. I'm like, where the hell do I subscribe to this? So the other part of that is make it easy. Make it easy for people that, that maybe come across your, your stuff and they, they want to, they want to know more. They Mm want to know more. Ariane said, I think leading with honesty and admitting you're nervous or socially awkward, going back to the, doing the shows, yep. actually puts most people at ease. Going to see art should be relaxed and fun. Yes, I, I agree. I fully agree. And agree. also, you guys, a lot of people are nervous entering your space as a patron. It can be like a vulnerable act to enter someone's art booth or their gallery space. That's that's definitely one thing to realize is, you know, and, and we've we've thought about that because there's almost this imaginary threshold and we've actually done a lot of like testing of that when we would do markets and things like that that people um you know, people they're going to interact if they walk into your your booth, into your art booth. It's almost like they're signing up for something. And you got to think of their previous experience, you know, where maybe down the way they walked into like four art booths and they walked in and the person is being all salesy. We've mm-hmm. had that happen where the people are being all salesy to them and then they walk into our booth and we're like, hello. And then they're like, I'm just here to look. And we're like, cool. Cool. You know, and so <laughs> then we put them at ease because, uh, and, and it's easy for a lot of people They would take it. It's like, God, I can't even say hello. But it, really, you got to think of the experience that that person is having that day. And really, it's just about putting them and putting yourself at ease. Yeah, absolutely. That's the magic. That's the magic ingredient. That guys. is the magic ingredient. Everybody relaxed and having a good time. You just heard it here on the Rafi and Klee podcast. <laughs> the magic ingredient. It is to relax. <laughs> Everett said, I'm feeling nervous about doing my first indoor show. All others have been outdoor with the 10 by 10 setup. Yep. Canopy. Yep. The indoor show will be a six foot table setup. Any suggestions on how to set up a smaller show? So that can be a different animal for sure as far as interacting with people. Cause then they're like, if you have a table set up, then you're like right up, you know, they come right up to your table. It can feel a little different. And sometimes it can feel <clears throat> awkward. Like I guess I don't know. Any any of the shows that we've done indoors, like I've so first off, it depends on the space. If it's a really big space, I'm fine. I don't, surprisingly, this will be very surprising for a lot of people. I don't do well in large crowds, like in small spaces. Nor do I. Um, so like I periodically, whenever I'm doing a show that's in a small space and maybe there's a lot of people, I have a place that every once in a while I allow myself to go, whether it's a spot outside or somewhere else that's separate from the crowd. I I give myself the opportunity to go and get a breather every once in a while and then return to what I'm doing. And as far as like the setup, um, I try to make it as comfortable as possible. I have the walls that I've built. I've built my own show walls. So a lot of times for me personally, I'll just set those up and hang the artwork on there. And if I do have a table, then I'll have a few easels and stuff just kind of laid about. But What's most important is that there's that space, right? So I never sit behind my table. 
I never sit. A lot of folks do, and yeah. it can make for an awkward experience or not. But yeah, if you ha- if you can, just because a venue provides you with a six foot table doesn't mean you're necessarily locked into doing that. We really do like to customize our space, even at indoor shows yeah. with the walls. I bring my trunk out now that I have my freestanding jewelry trunk. So we kind of set it up almost the same as if we were doing an outdoor show, just yeah. minus the tent. Yeah, because every show that we did, we never, we hardly ever set up the same way. It wasn't like this is our setup because we didn't know where we were going to, you know, are we going to be set up somewhere where there's a dirt mound? Is there going to be a tree? Is, you know, like, what can we do? So like every setup, we got very used to things moving around. And that's why like the way I design my walls, they like come apart and they do whatever. And your table take on several different shapes. Yeah. yeah. And your tables are different sizes and and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just being flexible with your own setup. Christine brought up a really good point here. Uh, She said, I try not to think about selling art at all, but rather asking questions to get to know the people who come in, such as, are you from around here? I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. It helps break the ice, and it also helps you to genuinely get to know who you're talking with, which is just just like going somewhere and striking up a conversation with someone, you know, when we were first exploring our new town, we were striking up conversations with everybody, whether it was at the local cafe or it was, you know, at the store or it was at the gas station or it was wherever. Like Everywhere. we just wanted and, to know people. Yeah, we wanted to know people and like people would ask about us and that's how they would find out that we were artists and, you know, oh, what kind of artwork do you create? And a lot of times I'd have my phone on me and I would have a folder in my phone with artwork to make it easily accessible so you didn't do the thing where you're like, oh, um, I don't, uh, hold on a second, you know, like, and so stuff like that, none of it was salesy. It was just like, kind of like, I want people to know, I, I spent so much time in my life not being an artist that I think I, I just wanted everyone to know that I was an artist. Like, you know, if they asked, it wasn't like I went around, I was like, I'm an artist. Hey, Hey, I'm an artist. Hey guys. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do that. But it, like any time that there was a, an opportunity to talk to people and a lot of us, striking up conversation honestly was us facing fear mm-hmm. because both of us were just the idea of striking up a conversation was just absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. immensely socially yeah. awkward yeah immensely and we we <laughs> yeah we we failed miserably and so many times <laughs> trying to strike up a conversation or nerves would take over and stuff but then you just put, you know, you learn from that experience and you push on to the next one and the next experience, the next experience. And then you get better. Till this day, we still have moments where like, you know, the, yeah. uh, the awkwardness and the nerves take over. Most definitely. Uh, Amy said, I prepare, prepare, prepare. Try to find ways to help things that make you nervous. I bit the bullet and registered uh, and uh, and printer as checking people out by hand made me nervous oh oh yeah so it could be a little detail like that yeah where the point of sale process makes you uncomfortable and yeah. maybe you find the best way for yourself to do that part to i mean make and you that's comfortable. and it, that is that is a really good point amy because a lot of uh you know even after getting very comfortable interacting with people just having conversation 
when it came to talking price and stuff like that, then all of a sudden that's a whole new ball game mm-hmm. of nerves that, you know, it's just practice doing it and putting yourself in those situations where you're willing to talk. Let's talk money. I know? remember at one of our first fancy shows, which was the wine walk, our first wine walk that we did, um, I, I sold a piece that I was really proud of and it had a nice t- price tag on it. And I remember when the couple said, we'll take it, I said, really? Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, really? Yeah, they were like, yes, really, we are taking it. I opened up my Square app to take their credit card, and I could not stop shaking. And they knew I was nervous, but they also knew I was really proud of the piece that I created. You were proud, and you let them know. You you actually told them, like, I'm really nervous. Like, this is the first time that I'm selling something like this. Something like this. Yeah. Christine said, in my experience, anyone who buys something, regardless of how small, is a potential collector if you keep in touch in some way. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. that's basically the gist of this entire podcast is that everywhere and anywhere that you meet someone, you know, like we went with the flea market, we went with art walks, we went with indoor shows. You know, these are these are typical shows. But also, I have collectors uh, that I met at the grocery store in mm-hmm. the checkout line. I've met people, whenever there's that opening of dialogue, you got to remember, like, when you are having a conversation with someone and it just so happens that they've been looking for an artist or they've been looking for something or they want to expand their um, their taste, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the the fascination or, or even thinking to themselves like, man, you know, I see all these artists on TV. I've never actually physically met an artist. And to be able to meet an artist in real life and stuff like that, those are those relationships. And that's why at the end of the day, and this is this is the big spoiler when it comes to this podcast. Where do you find your most loyal collectors? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. You find them everywhere. You There's no there's no special place where you can find them and you have no idea who your next collector is. The thing is there has to be a relationship. And that's why it is important to be willing to talk to people and genuinely connect with them. I have, you know, it's kind of said so much that it's cliche at this point, but you'll hear like that it's much harder for adults to make friends than it is for kids to make Mm -hmm. friends. And I called BS on that. I think the problem is that, the older we get, the more we're afraid to talk to people and the more we fear judgment, especially when you're putting artwork out there yeah. or doing something that makes you feel vulnerable. But it's really, it has everything to do with where you are, like emotionally. Yeah. If you're willing to talk to people without fear of judgment, it's no harder to make friends or to find art collectors than, you know how kids go about making friends. And well, let's make something really clear. Like uh, there's always going to be fear of judgment. Yeah. Right. There's always going to be the possibility that someone's going to reject you or someone's going to, you know, not like your art or not like whatever. The, The difference is not, not building a thick skin. I don't like that. I don't like that idea of putting armor around you in order to protect your feelings, but kind of understanding that like, Oh, okay. That's just one person. Mm-hmm. You know, there are literally billions of people out there like that's one person and not everyone is going to like my art. Not everyone is going to like my opinion. Not everyone is going to like my perspective. And that's fine because all I'm doing is pre-qualifying whether or not this person 
is someone who is going to, that I'm going to build a relationship with. Yeah, definitely. An art relationship. Clover said, my very first vending thing, I got interviewed by a new station, and I was just talking to him like I would any other person. Yes, Clover, that's awesome. That's awesome. And that's the way to do it. You just talk, you know. It is people. It's people. The thing about it is that, like, the other part of it, we we like to identify ourselves as introverts or extroverts, and that was one of the reasons that I came up with the name Artrovert, right? Because then it doesn't... It doesn't pigeonhole you into this one way of thinking of yourself. The truth of the matter is that even when, you know, if you if you identify with something, then you know what your personality is. You know, you're not going to be awkward and weird around your friends, or maybe you are. Actually, you would be awkward and weird around your friends if you were an introvert and talk and say say what you want to say, especially if you trust them, because... You're going to have that personality. Mm-hmm. It's it's when you get out around other people that there's always that fear of judgment and like, oh, well, I'm not good enough or whatever. And it's like understanding like, listen, you're going to put your artwork out there and you're going to talk to people. And some people are going to be all hoity-toity about artwork. Mm-hmm. Some people are not. Um, some people aren't going to even understand it. Some people are going to really love it. Some people are going to love your perspective. And again, it goes back to just just being legit and being honest about how you feel yeah, in well, those moments. Once I had accepted for myself that like if you come talk to me about jewelry, like you are going to get some nerdy commentary from me about rocks and minerals and outer space. Most likely, because metals come from outer space. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once I didn't... <laughs> I, once I wasn't trying to hide that part of myself for fear of not looking professional or whatever and just allowed myself to totally nerd out, some people, they don't care. And those aren't my people. They just, yeah. But yeah. some people are like, whoa, that's stuff I never knew they, about. You they know? nerd out with you. They, they nerd, nerd out, out with, with you. you. Sarah said, I always treat them like my best friend. Then if they focus on anything, I I tell my story about the piece and maybe make them smile or laugh. Yeah, Sarah, I love that. That's, yeah. And, and it's just, it's, for us, challenging ourselves, putting ourselves out there and having interaction with people, really the challenge is how can I be, because the wrong challenge is how can I impress people? Mm, don't do that. You don't know who's going to walk into your your situation there. The challenge is, how do I make myself much more comfortable in this situation, right? Because yeah. I definitely, if you're going to sell art, you want to get out there. You want people to know who you are. You want to interact with people. If you don't, it, nobody's going to know you exist. So it's all part of that growth of the artist, of of just being a trailblazer and putting themselves out there and creating stuff without giving an F about you know, whether or not it's popular or not, or whether or not anybody's going to like it. It's just something that you're going to put out there. And it it is nerve wracking at first. Most definitely. Uh, Kelly said, is it more inviting to have a walkthrough booth with things on the perimeter and center, or should it just be perimeter thoughts? Honestly, it depends on the space, Kelly. Yeah, we've done both. And ultimately it doesn't really matter which you choose. Um, because this this side of it and how 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 the conversation flows is way more important than how the book flows. Again, what I would say is whatever's most comfortable for you. Yeah, you're the one that's going to be spending the majority of your time in your booth. 
So make it comfortable for yourself. Yeah, whatever feels best to you. Yeah. Linda E. said, I'm such an introvert, and I was really nervous coming to your show in Oil City, and you guys were so awesome, and within minutes, you made me feel so comfortable. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. Thank well, you, you're, Linda. It Linda, was, you're awesome. Yeah, so. you were awesome, too. Yeah. So we just clicked in that way, which was great. Mm-hmm. Allie said, so true. Social media can be very impersonal. I just need to learn how the how the WordPress subscribe thing works, but everything is possible. <laughs> You'll figure it out. You figure things out in time. You know, we didn't always have all the things in place that we have in place now, but yeah. you just build them just like a kitchen. As you realize you're missing a utensil and you're like, ah, oh, crap, I don't own a rolling pin or Indeed. a pair of tongs. Yeah. I need that stuff. Because someone who knows how to use those things comes over and says, you don't have that. Yep. Or so. you or you just figure it out. And, <laughs> you know, just out. like for anybody that's listening to this, this is the first live podcast that is being recorded on YouTube. Yeah. And so with a visual aspect. With a visual aspect to it. And this is new. And it's just things evolve and change and evolve and change as you go. And really, that's that's how it is. Every single every show that we did built was built on the last show that we did was built on the last show that we did oh we could do this better oh this kind of sucked in the last one maybe we should change this around minor course corrections yeah minor course corrections is is the way to go and really that's the way that you approach all of it ginger snap said um in reference to the kids making friends conversation that adult brains are too trained to know no X, Y, Z. We've th- seen things go wrong. Remember pain easier than pleasure. Yet kids are still tuned into the yes and the possibilities. So adults, adults get out of your box. Yes. Yeah. Well said, Ginger Snaps. Uh, Arianne said that's a great point about not putting armor around you. Think of it as not attaching any emotion to anyone who isn't interested in your work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, don't. I think the biggest thing, the biggest lesson that I learned was don't take it personal. It's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do with you. If they don't like the work, it doesn't mean that the work is bad. It just means that it's not their jam. Imagine. They're into something else. Could you imagine if you had to create a piece of art for everyone? Like that everyone that ever walked past your booth connected and like you'd never have any free time. And artists, it's just, there are a lot of artists that think that that's the way to do it. Like either everybody likes it or my work sucks. And I think a lot of that happens when you first put yourself out there, which is why we recommend get out there because it's in those moments that you really, really start get out there and observe yourself and where you're comfortable in and what the negative stick man is telling you Mm -hmm. because the more you do that and the more you don't take that stuff personally or take it seriously, the more you start growing into your own confident self and putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Allie said, I met a really cool artist at a show who chatted with everyone because she was totally in love with her art. And I learned so much from her example. You just described the way that we are at shows like we just get really excited when somebody comes in and they're looking at some of my art i can't wait like i'm just kind of standing there like hi you know like not because i'm like oh i want to sell this piece and whatever but because i'm excited about talking about my art i'm excited about talking about my art 
And that is, you know, mutual excitement. You just mutual excitement. Yeah. Yes. A lot of you have heard us say the term mutual excitement before, but it is the other magic ingredient mm-hmm. is to be genuinely into your work, be excited about it and be like excited to tell someone about it if they want to know yeah. more. And really that's how that's how you form friendships. You know, it's when you meet somebody and you're excited about the same things. And they're like, do you like T-shirts? Because I like T-shirts. I like T-shirts. I like T-shirts. And that's the thing. It's like understanding it's not going to be everyone. There's a, People are going to walk in here like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't and like it's, T-shirts it's, at all. Yeah, and you'd be like, all right, well, <laughs> we're not friends. I don't want to be friends with somebody who doesn't like T-shirts. Kyle said, I found that my website has become a great way for followers to keep in touch. I also have a place on my site that says when and where my next booth or appearance will be. Yes, Kyle. Good points, Kyle. Those are very good points. It's brilliant because your website is your hub. You want to make people... That's why I love the idea of having a blog and in updating your website because... A lot of people get really discouraged because, oh, nobody's going to my website and it's been six months or it's been a year. And it's like you got to train people to get comfortable going to your site to find out the information that they want about you. And the way that you keep them because, you know, out of sight, out of mind is a blog, maybe a weekly blog, a monthly blog, whatever it is. That person that is sitting there, you know, clicks on it. It's like, oh, you know, like, oh, I wonder what Rafi and Clea are up to. That's why it matters because it's forming the relationship. If people make the mistake of thinking like, I'm going to put a website together because it's e-commerce and we're, you know, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. And like, you got to remember that anything that you do, whether it's in person or online is all about establishing that relationship. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And this is where I'm going to segue into the dark side, not really the dark side, but this is also why it's important to not do something or be somewhere because you think you're supposed to, but you really don't want to. I think about times in my own personal experience that I was just doing the market for too long and I was ready to move on and I didn't want to be there. And it's not that I was unapproachable because I'm always, I always try to, you know, I want to interact with people, but where I wasn't necessarily as present as I would have been years earlier. Cause I was getting to the point where I was kind of, I was really ready to move on. Yeah. So I think about potential collectors or friends that came into the space during those times where I was just really not feeling it. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't connect. Yeah. And that really, it really kind of showed me, like, maybe you just shouldn't be here. Yeah. Because you love people, but this is getting to be too much of a same routine. You also, you have to see everything that you're doing as merely a stepping stone for the next thing. The right? next thing that scares you. The next thing that scares you. And that's that's the problem. It's easy. Like, you know, we did the market, Clee did the market longer than I did. Um, but it's, it's easy. Like once you start doing something and it's scary and stuff, and maybe a few years go by and now it's comfortable Mm -hmm. and you're just doing this thing and it's comfortable and you're not really pushing yourself anymore out of your comfort zone and it could easily become boring. That's why I, you know, for some people, maybe not, but I've seen the reason I left 
the market a lot earlier was because we were doing it every weekend. And I started looking around and I would see people that had been there for 10, 15 years and they just didn't look happy. This was just the thing they did for money on the weekends. It was no different than going to a job that they didn't like. And I cannot do that because I did that for years in corporate. The only reason I went to work was because I needed a paycheck. And I was definitely not going to do that with my art career especially because I knew it was going to have an impact on my relationships with the people that were there. They weren't going to be getting a genuine me. I wasn't there anymore because I was excited to share my art. I was there because I was, I needed to make money that week. So, you know, and it's, it's a very fine line. It's a very subtle and fine line, but there will come that point, no matter what it is that you're doing, where you're going to reach that threshold where, okay, it's, this stepping stone. It's, it's time to it's, level up. It's time to level up. And you won't want to. Yeah, you're not going to want to. <laughs> but you should. And you might hang on for like two years or yeah. three. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a very well said way to say what I was trying to say. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Level up when you when it's time for you to and don't let yourself get jaded. Um, yes, because that's that's the problem. You could easily get jaded, and then it's just, like you're just going. You don't want to go to this thing, and you're going because you're not you going to make any connections yeah. that way. It's not yeah. fair to you. It's not fair to your artwork. It's not fair to the people yeah. that are going to walk into your space. Don't be jaded. <laughs> Kelly said at my next show, I'm going to wear my nervous artist T-shirt. I think that's a great thing to do, Kelly. I think I that's a great it. icebreaker. People are going to get a kick out of it, and it establishes like, yeah, man. I'm nervous. Yep, I'm nervous. <laughs> but I'm here. Kim said, it's easy to hide. I have to force myself to get out there, and it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it, and the only reason that it's easier to hide or stay in, because we still go through that. Like, you know, Klee and I, with as much as we put ourselves out there, um, there are days where I don't want to go out. I'm like, I don't want to people. I don't want people today. Activate hermit mode. Yeah, and I love people. I love interacting with people, but... You know, you got to, that's why I say like, understand where you're coming from. If you're going to call yourself an introvert, that just means that you need, you need quiet time, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's why in big, in small spaces where there's a lot of people, you know, I'm prepared for that. I I need to just step away for just a little bit. Maybe I need to go outside and get a breather or go off into a hallway where nobody's there and just kind of like, you know, breathe and get my and then go back in. And, um, as as long as I do that and I check in with myself, um, I can manage to have a good time. But in the beginning, it was terrifying mm-hmm. because it was all outside of my comfort zone. Of course, it's easy to do the stuff that you're used to doing. Um, it's much scarier to do the stuff that you haven't done. But at some point, you know, it doesn't take very many times of doing it. You're going to cross that that bridge of like, OK, now this is within my comfort zone. Yes, you'll cross that bridge and hopefully there won't be any trolls. Yeah. <laughs> See how and I brought it, that full circle? And if there are, don't maybe, take it personal. Maybe they'll be well-connected trolls. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, there. W- I wanted to mention also, you guys, that the, it's no different in the internet land universe. Yeah. Like, basically, you want it to be a two-way conversation and you want to be approachable. So let people get to know you through social media. You don't have to tell them everything about you. We've had that conversation plenty of times too. Let people get to know you. Let them get to know you 
over a long period of time, if that's what they're comfortable with, that's why, you know, you might put stuff out there and you might get crickets for a while because people are getting to know you. Have a two-way conversation. Ask questions in your uh, social media posts or your blog or your videos. Or, you know, interact with people who are commenting on your stuff on yeah. the internet. Because it is a relationship, right? So it's all of that, whether it's on the internet or at a show or whatever. It's definitely not, you know, and that's where you got to be careful. You don't want it to be this one-sided thing. You want to post for yourself, but you also do want to engage with um, the people that interact with you. And you also want to interact with the people that you enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that you enjoy. And, and Yeah, like comment on their stuff and yeah, patron but, their shows. But and- not, yeah, patron their shows, go to their events and stuff like that if you can. But nothing where you stretch yourself too thin. You know, like do what you can, because most mm-hmm. of us that are busy doing this art career thing, we know that people are busy. We're, yes. n- we're not we're not trying to, um, you know, the world doesn't revolve around us. We understand that people have lives. Most definitely. <laughs> it's, that's how it works. But at the same time, you want to give and you want to receive as well. You want to you want it to be a, a two way street because mm-hmm. that's that's how a relationship works. That's why I say, like, when you walk into a booth, you're not going to gain any any real art collectors if you're in there, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It's all about me. Buy my stuff. Look at my art. Oh, I'm so mad. Nobody's buying my stuff. You know, and it's like. Just like you wouldn't be like, be my friend, be, be my, my friend, friend. Be, be my friend, be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Ginger Snap said in my videos, closing remarks uh, included, my question for you, my fellow mess makers, and often are the same silly YouTube creator questions you often hear. But even if it's a dumb questions, it reinforces that it's always dialogue. Yes. And I, I love, love that, that you have fun with it, right? Because if you have fun with it, then it's not feeling forced or weird or whatever. And it, and it shouldn't feel forced. I mean, and that's the thing, like when you really connect with somebody it's not forced and it, it's it's really with this whole thing i i think one of the one of the most uh not elusive one of the most that that's a big lie one of the biggest farces that people love to promote with the hustle mentality is that the more people you get in you gotta hook them in and you gotta drag them in right and it's like that's not how relationships work you know, relationships are never one-sided. There's always a give and take when it comes to relationship. Recently, we had one of one of my uh, my newer art collectors. Uh, we invited them over to the house to check out the Sunflower House. Yep. And they walked around. We gave them a tour. And then we sat there and had a conversation. I was not expecting them to buy or purchase anything. It was just, I want to get to know these people that, that have purchased my art. They happen to be in town. And it was really nice having that conversation with me and in leaving, she was like, I think I want to purchase this. And honestly, that's what took me aback Cause I was like, ah, eh, eh. and then I had to realize, okay, well, if she wants to buy something, that's her, whatever. But then there was, there were three of them. And I was like, is it okay if I gift you one of these? One of because them, yeah. that's what would have made me feel better. And I knew what would make her feel better is to buy one. But that wasn't the purpose of, of us scheduling a visit with them. And I think that that's the biggest thing. I've been in a situation in the past where I was inviting someone over with the idea that they were going to purchase something. And honestly, the reason I don't do that is because it was extremely awkward. 
the entire time. And, yep. and I was the catalyst for the awkwardness. Um, so it's important that like your motivations and that you're having fun, that you're just having fun, that there's no underlying motivation under this thing, that you are just being genuine and real. And this is what I want coming out of this. Yeah, definitely. The best part about the evening wasn't the selling of the art. It was getting to know who they were as people and realizing, oh, they're dorks like us. Yeah. Great. Yeah. They're big dorks. This is, they're this, nerds. This is going to work. Um, Troy said, make friends and go from there. Yes, Timothy. Yes, exactly. Rachel said, I don't understand. The world doesn't revolve around me. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Well, Rachel, maybe around you. Maybe around you. (laughs) I mean, our world, our personal worlds do revolve around us. That is true. Uh, Ginger said, there is often a moderate size pauses for me to laugh at my own jokes. I love it. Big old nerd. Yes, Ginger, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and that's it. Whoever you are, whatever you do, whatever's real for you. You sound like Christopher Walken there. For whatever, whoever you are. Whoever you are. Now, if I try to sound like Christopher Walken, it won't happen. But just whoever. do that. Just do those things. Just be Christopher Walken? No, be yourself. Christopher Walken's already taken. We should all be Christopher Walken. <laughs> Isn't there already a show like that <laughs> where everyone's Christopher Walken? <laughs> but it's, I I agree. Although we can't be Christopher Walken, we should most definitely be ourselves because that's the thing. Any of these interactions is an opportunity for you to meet people that you're like-minded with, especially as artists putting our art out there because the art is so personal and is so connected to us. That it's it's ridiculous to think that it's just a, a like selling a product, like selling shampoo or selling something like that, um, because this is something that you created with your with your own two hands. It's not just something that you're reselling or, or mass producing. And there's something very personal about that. And there's something very personal about someone buying art to hang on their wall. You got to realize, like, this isn't just a decoration. They're taking something that is handcrafted and they're going to put it in their house. Yeah, it's not decor. You have a relationship with art. Yeah. And it's it's important to remember that you are the vehicle for that. You know, it's not your art. It is you being there and that relationship that they've developed with you. I've walked into booths where I saw some beautiful art. And in talking to the artist, um, I, you know, I, I just ended up not buying the art. That's be- always a bummer. Because it was a bummer. I was like, I don't really connect with this person. Or the artist that won't speak to you at all because you don't look like the demographic that they're going yeah. for. Super not cool. You walk in and they're <laughs> like, oh, mm, you don't look like you have money. You know, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's that person is there to sell and they're missing out on the personal connections that they can make with anybody that walks in. So at the end of the day, where do you find art collectors? Everywhere. And how do you get loyal art collectors? You get loyal art collectors by connecting with that individual, by by meeting like-minded people and connecting Same with way them. you make friends. Same way you make Same friends. Same way you make friends. Just yep. like Troy said, make friends and then go from there. Totally. I love it. And I think that that's it. I want to thank the rogues so much for being here. 
You guys are awesome. This new format of doing it this way was great because we got to get a lot more comments and see a lot more of your brilliance come to the podcast, which is something that I really enjoy of doing the live podcast the way that we do. And I also want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I know that we've been a little bit lax on pod on our, on our podcast. Uh, the I think it was the last week we missed out a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but we are here, and we are here to stay once more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever. Sure, sure it did. That's we the are Rafi- here to stay That's- once more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rafi way of saying it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you uh, to our Rogue Fam for your wondrous, brilliant, awesome questions and comments. And thank you to everybody who is listening to this podcast. Yeah. We love you. Oh, You're see, awesome. She said it way better than I did. Either way, thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, you want to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios.